across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest coming from Southern Alberta, out Canada way, not too far actually from Montana in the U.S., and and he is knocking things dead there. Courtney Atkinson is on the line, and so let me just get to it without further ado. Courtney, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. It's an honor to be here, Pat. I'm a big fan of your show, man, and uh, was thrilled to, to hear that we'd be chatting today. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for coming on. Why don't you uh, give our audience a little bio on you, Courtney, so they can get to know you better? Sure, man. Uh, I'm from a small town in New Brunswick, so that's not too far north of Maine, and a town of about 1,700 people, and I migrated to Alberta back around 2000, so I'm not from here. Uh, My parents are school teachers, so I didn't grow up in the business. Uh, Worked for, uh, you know, a large institution, a university here for, I don't know, better part of a decade and then decided to start working for myself. I saw real estate as a, an opportunity to, to uh, get out and, and put some hands together with people and have some fun. And I've uh, been doing that since uh, 2008 and it's been, uh, been a lot of fun, man. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so tell us like where you are now, like how many houses did you sell last year? Yeah, you bet, Pat. Uh, we were just shy of 200, man. Uh, you know, I was really hoping to break that 200 mark. We were just over 190 last year. I got a team, uh, me and two buyer's agents, a couple of men uh, assistants helping us out. So uh, this year we got a goal of 300. Okay. Hey, hey, that's great. 33% rise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll definitely do over 200 then, it sounds. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're on our way. So uh, what was the volume on that, you know, 191 deals? Yeah, we're not uh, we're not a huge uh, hugely expensive market here. Our average house price is under two ninety. Uh, indeed, my average is just under that as well. So our, our volume is right around fifty five million. Okay, all right. So what was your uh, gross commission income on fifty five million? Yeah, in the ballpark of eight hundred thousand, just shy of that. All right, and then what what's your profit margin? Not too bad. I mean, probably, you know, 30% somewhere in there. So, you know, it's not not the best. I'm pretty heavy on my marketing, but uh, working towards improving that. Yeah, quarter million bucks to you. I mean, that's... That's not bad. I mean, that's well, and and this is in uh, Canadian money, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right now, it's not worth too much compared to your American dollars, Pat. But we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. So, so why you mention that? Let me ask you about that. I, I don't think I think a lot of people don't understand that when you say you say okay. No, there's been times in the past where a dollar in Canada equaled a dollar in the U.S. Right? That's right. Even more, actually, not that long ago. Yeah. Okay. So that most in most people's mind, okay, one equals one. I got that. So, uh, what's happening now, and why? Yeah, well, as I said, I'm in southern Alberta. We're uh, probably the strongest province in Canada uh, economically over the years. You know, most of the last century, we've been kind of the uh, the powerhouse economically. Not too different from Texas. Uh, huge part of part of our economy is oil. And uh, as we all know, that's kind of taken a hit here in the last year. So uh, we we uh, we mine for bitumen, which is uh, kind of a an oil that's hard to process uh, and requires a lot of refining in order to get um, 
uh, you know, to get to the gasoline stage, unlike a lot of what you get out of uh, Texas. And so, um, you know, that's meant that uh, it's a lot more uh, involved of a process. And, uh, you know, if, if oil tanks out and the, and the price of a barrel goes down, uh, our oil is one of the first to be affected because it's just a bit more expensive to produce. And so the Saudis and Texas and a lot of these guys that, um, that get a, a, already a better product out of the ground with less trouble uh, are still doing better. So that's meant that um, you know, our commodity prices uh, have dropped pretty dramatically. And uh, we're in one of the worst recessions we've seen in Alberta since the 1980s as a result of that. And you know, that was compounded by the fact that uh, you know, we had uh, two elections in uh, Canada, one uh, federally last fall and, and one provincially last fall that were uh, very dramatic changes. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not quite as dramatic as going from Barack Obama to Mr. Trump, but you know, pretty, pretty wide swing from, uh, from right to left actually for us last year. And, you know, that may have had some impact on people's confidence in our markets. And, um, and as a result that, you know, the, the Canadian dollars dropped dramatically as well. You know, right now we're trading at about 75 cents against the U S dollar. So for me to take a trip down to Vegas is going to cost me 25% extra, you know, and that's, uh, hurting a lot of Canadians. And I think this year, a lot of people are sticking kind of close to home and not traveling so much to the States like they have in the past. And, uh, th- that can have an impact in economies. It certainly has in, in Calgary, which is the kind of central hub or the city where, uh, you know, where most of the oil companies head offices were in Canada and Edmonton. And as you get North, that's where a lot of the sites are for the mining of bitumen. And, and, uh, so, you know, from about Calgary North, you know, there's been a lot of trouble, man. Many people out of jobs, like tens of thousands. Really? Uh, now, yeah. these, these are oil jobs? Or, I mean, yeah. Like what, or, yeah. And anything, anything that supports it. Huh? Because cause supports it's it. easier to get, you know, it's cheaper, I should say, to get the oil elsewhere. Yeah, that's right. Uh, is that what's happening? Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. a very, very interesting dynamic when that happens. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't understand it. And then everyone starts conserving because this wave of pessimism sweeps over and then of course they buy less houses and buy less cars and save more money so it's very interesting but overall in canada right the real estate market up for the last decade or so has been going up 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 right yeah for the most part i mean again there's a couple you know a couple footnotes in there that we have to give as qualifiers uh you know our bigger markets like vancouver calgary and toronto uh, since about 2008, after the world economic crisis, you know, saw you know modest to aggressive appreciation. Uh, but uh, the trouble was is that what we saw happen at the Bank of Canada and and with a lot of banks is they wanted to see some of those markets cool, and they don't cool uh, them with policies that are regional. They pool they cool them with national policies, and that's had a negative impact on smaller places like Lethbridge. So we haven't seen uh, since 2008 a single quarter of real estate values appreciating. We've had. You know, from 2008 to about 2011, you know, maybe 5% year over year. Now we're down to 1% to 2% depreciation year over year. And that's probably going to get worse here over the next few years. So, I mean, we, you know, since I've been in the business, Pat, I haven't seen a seller's market. You know, I'd like, really like to see one, but I don't see it coming anytime soon. So, uh, hey, man, I'm ready for it whenever it happens. Yeah, wow. But you're still killing it. I mean, if you're going to be able to sell 300 houses, that's that's no joke with the with this with the team that you have. So it still sounds like uh, people are still buying, at least in your area. Oh yeah. I mean, we need transactions and you know, with, with depreciation, one, 2%, most people are ahead of that with their equity and their payments. And, and uh, you know, 
for the most part, people here in my community, we're a, a city of just under 100,000, Pat, and uh, you know, heavily employed by the public sector, whether it's the city of Lethbridge, the health region, the university, the college, and then we're strongly a uh, strong foundation of farming. You know, we're a lot of lot of uh, you know farming not too far from here, uh, all around, all the way through Montana, as you know. I mean, that's the prairies, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, big money from commodities through there, right? So. And I think your banking, uh, your mortgages and, and things like that tends to be more conservative uh, because, you know, um, it, it, you don't have as much as the U.S. does as, as far as ways to borrow 100% or 105%, <laughs> things like that. So if, people, if it goes down a couple of percentages, most people have 10 or 20% equity uh, from the jumpstart, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, people are starting off strong equity positions and... Uh, you know, I think that we have to, in a way, thank our government for for you know tightening up on those regulations over the years to ensure that people do have equity and now people can move around if they want without too much pain. I mean, it's it's tough telling a family that the house they bought five years ago is worth less today than it was then, uh, but at the end of the day, the net difference for them to move is going to be about the same. It's just that the numbers are smaller now, and so you know, it costs you a hundred thousand dollars to upgrade to a bigger home, and now your house is going to sell for less. Well, so what? That's okay. You know, as long as there's equity in the property, you can make it happen yeah yeah and 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 the good thing about nowadays is there's so much ways to get media whether it's the computer or television or whatever that that they know you know they know going in that they're not shocked when you tell them hey guess what you lost money so yeah i I hope not i hope not a little bit of shock but you know you know a couple thousand bucks or 10 grand on a five thousand five hundred thousand dollar house isn't uh you know, it's not insurmountable. It's not like saying, "Hey, you know what? Your house is worth fifty grand less or a right. hundred thousand less." Like it's happened over the years in other places, right? Yeah, so man. no, we're no, we're okay, man. That's good. That's good. So, where's your business coming from, Courtney? Yeah, well, I have to admit, man, a lot of my business is is still coming from referral, Pat. You know, we've built strong relationships with clients over the years. You know, make a point of staying in touch with people, and it's a small enough community where that's not impossible to do. Um, and then I've bolstered that with, uh, with heavy radio advertising, uh, you know, a lot of the standard 33 touch stuff that people do, emails, phone calls, letters, uh, you know, birthday cards, you know, just, just standard stuff, man. We're not, um, we're not in the kind of market, Pat, where I think we need to really, you know, take too much advantage of a lot of the amazing technology that's out there today, because a lot of the belly, belly stuff just works really well. You know, you go have a coffee with uh, someone who's referred you a bunch of business and let them know that it means a lot to you. Next thing you know, your phone's ringing. It might not be from them, but you know, you're putting that karma out into the universe and you're showing people your appreciation for how they've helped you and help them in whatever ways you can. And that's just, uh, that's come around really nicely for us over the years. So uh, take me to your first year, Courtney. What, what, tell me about your first year in the biz. Yeah, you bet, man. So um, first year I was uh, a buyer specialist with another team uh, at that point time this was uh you know a team that was probably doing uh less than 100 deals a year there was a lead specialist or a listing specialist and myself and another buyer's agent one admin person and um yeah i mean i just kind of took the leftovers i was you know honored to have the position and thought hey man you know good chance to learn from somebody or at, at very least you know good to be able to screw up on somebody else's dime and uh I think that year I closed somewhere around 50 transactions, you know, plus or what? minus. So, really? So, on your first year? Yeah. Well, you know, that's 
truth be told, I know the number actually now. It was 36 uh, the first year. Still, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Three, the three second houses year, a month the first the second, year? The, sorry, the second year was 52, and I stayed with him uh, through that year, and then I went on my own in 2010. How, so. How'd you even handle that many buyers? I mean, I know with listings it can be done, but holding that many buyers, that's a lot of buyers to juggle. Uh, I don't know. I got, you know, my buyer specialists are managing, you know, they're aiming each for them's aiming for 70 this year. So, I mean, it's doable. Wow. Uh, That's a lot too. I mean, I get, okay. So to me, right. A buyer agent doing 70 or five deals a month, let's say. Yeah. Are they doing all the back end stuff or are all they doing just kind of running out, showing houses, writing contracts? Yeah, no, a lot of the back end stuff. I mean, depending on what time of year it is and how busy the air, my admin staff will support them with showings and tracking feedback and condition removals and tracking and closing and, and all that. But I mean, in the thick of summer, yeah, you bet. I mean, we don't have enough resources to be able to do all that for them. So they've got to do a lot of that themselves. So I mean, a lot of long days, man. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got it down to a science too, Pat. I mean, we don't show anybody uh, a house unless they're under contract, unless they've been qualified, unless we know exactly what they're looking for. You know, we want to show them 10, 12 houses tops. Um, you know, sometimes we get into these showmances with clients and we take responsibility. Showmances. For that. <laughs> you, <laughs> I like you know, that. <laughs> and if, we, you know, if it goes on, we've been showing somebody uh, houses for six months, man, you know, we, we didn't manage the situation properly. They either weren't ready to buy, they weren't properly qualified, uh, or we didn't ask the right questions early enough. So we, we, you know, we, I would say we do a really good job at appropriately managing everyone's time. And we let people know, Hey, listen, if we're going to start looking at properties, uh, you know, we, we understand you're ready to go. Let's go do this. We get other clients that we're going to be parking or parking time with our family to be here. Uh, let's do some business. And people respect that. And it's not a high pressure tactic. It's just, you know, we do a good job at evaluating where people are at in the process and prioritizing them and helping them understand, hey, like, if you're not ready to buy a house for six months time, let's talk about this in, in three to four months. Uh, let's not waste a bunch of time right now knowing that it's not going to go anywhere. You've got a life to live. You got, you know, some spring months to enjoy. Go enjoy your time. We'll we'll enjoy our time being busy with other clients. And and then we'll pick it up again in a couple months. We'll still put them under contract. We all know we're going to work together. It's just a matter of when, right? Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, do you take any buyers yourself? I do periodically, uh, but you know, very few. I've kind of changed that, Pat. You know, over the over the years, I've said no to you know to all buyers, um, but um, I, I saw a downside to that, and, and the downside uh, had to do with some of the high end referrals that I would get. A good example. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, a good example would be, um, you know, one of the largest Canadian banks uh, locally, whenever they send, uh, you know, a new VP in or uh, one of their one of the senior managers to town, I always catch the referral. And, um, you know, two years ago, I would have put those folks off to one of my buyer specialists. But, um, you know, I enjoy those relationships. You know, they're people who have uh, who I have a connection with because of the types of work that they do, the connections that they will have in the community. And, and I, I've just learned that, Hey, listen, you know what? I really enjoy working with those folks. And, and, you know, from a monetary standpoint, it, it makes mathematical sense for me to take time and do that. Um, you know, whereas as much as I like working with first time home buyers, it's not, it's not feasible for me to take time away from working with my sellers or, you know, a, a high end buyer to, to do that. You know, I can't show, you know, 10 houses to, uh, to a couple of first-time home buyers in the day, it just it doesn't work out for me to do that. And frankly, Pat, I don't have the skill set for it anymore. I don't know the inventory. You know, I just I don't have what it takes to be successful in that. And my my team's just better at that than I am. And and I feel on the 
on the front of working with some of those relocations or those clients who are in the higher price ranges. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can add a lot of value to that, and I feel it's appropriate that I'm involved with those folks. So, yeah, well, like I said, a ha- handful of times in a year. Yeah, you bet. Okay. And then um, what about listings? So um, you do all the listings? I do, yeah. I manage all the listings. That's kind of getting out of hand here now. I'm, I've got uh, about, I think, 42 or 43 up and another 10 or a dozen in the pipe. And, wow. you know, at any given time, five or six conditional. So there's there's lots to manage there, Pat. And, and the thing that I struggle with now uh, is that... Um, you know, I'm spending a lot of my time in the business, man, and not as much time as I'd want to want to spend on the business. You know, there's things that I want to move forward with some new marketing plans or tweaks to budgeting or things like that that I just don't have the, the time or focus for. And and so, uh, you know, maybe next year I'll look at bringing somebody in to give me some support with that. Interesting, interesting. So what do you do, like a listing appointment a day just about? Yeah, on average, not too far off that. I mean, my closing ratio from uh, first meeting to uh, to a listing is about sixty percent. So, uh, so not not quite that many, but uh, you know, certainly three, four a week, uh, a lot of weeks. Um, and I do a two stage process too, Pat. So you know, like I said, we're kind of a small town, and re- real strong relationships are important here. So I spend time uh, going out, seeing the house, meeting people, shaking hands. You know, uh, just doing a meet and greet, seeing if they were, if I'm the kind of guy that they'd like to meet with a second time, and then I go back out, and or I should say, I have them come to the office and do the evaluation, marketing plan, and and a lot of times folks still want to still want to sit and wait on it. You know, they want to want to think and and you know take it home and get back together again for a third meeting to do contract work, and so I'll wow. I'll be present for that as well. You know, it's uh it's the heaviest point of contact, but it's the most you know, impactful for me. And then oftentimes, you know, my, my team takes over with the showings and the scheduling and tracking feedback and all that. And then, you know, I step back in for the negotiation contract work, but, um, you know, heavy on the front end and of course, lighter to the back end, a little bit heavy again with the negotiation and paperwork, but I've got a licensed admin support person who can kind of help me with that. So the first time you're going in there, you're just looking at the house. Um, you, you take notes, uh, I take pictures and I, I, I try to focus mostly on the conversation. I mean, unless it's a real unique house and I've got, I'm totally going in blind, then yeah, I would take some notes. But, um, you know, for the most part, no, I go, uh, I go in with my camera. I've probably already got some information based on my conversation with them beforehand. So not really much need for me to take many notes. I just want to be able to remember, you know, how, the quality of the finishing and, you know, what color the light fixtures were, how well the house ties together in case I don't get a chance to do the CMA for a day or two then I can reflect back on that. Now, do you think Uh, that's more of a rapport building exercise or do you think it's more of a really uh, analyzing the house to help you pick the the best price? I I think it's more uh, relationship building at that stage. Um, But again, you know, I know what it's like to, uh, to try to evaluate a house without a clear image in my mind of, you know, the condition or the improvements or, you know, the size or the number of bedrooms and all that. I mean, it can be done, but it's very tough. So, you know, I would say, you know, 75% relationship building, 25% investigation and and information collection for sure. And then um, when you tell them, hey, okay, so now I want you guys to come by the office and sit down with me to go mm-hmm. over price. Do you get any resistance to that? No, never. Uh, I just tell them the way it's going to be. I just say, listen, you know, we're going to come and sit down on my boardroom table. We'll have no distractions. I got a big screen TV. I'm going to go through the comparables with you. You'll see everything that I see and every other realtor will see. We're going to take a real, uh, you know, realistic approach to the process of evaluating your property. We'll go through the marketing plan, the closing costs. At the end of that meeting, 
you'll have a clear sense of exactly what your net proceeds will look like, you know, plus or minus a percent, maybe 2% based on my experience and my expertise and how I'm, you know, beating the market, uh, you know, by an average of 2 to 3%. And then if you're prepared, we can do some paperwork after that. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds great. Okay, great. You know, I've got I've 3 o'clock on Wednesday or 4 o'clock on Thursday available. Which one of those two times works best for you? I like that. I li- and I like how you say no distractions because I, I, I know that's huge on listing appointments. I used to go on, you know, the kids were running around or the TV was on or the oh, phone the was worst, ringing. Man. I mean, it was, it was tough to get both eyes glued. You know? I had a, one of my agents tell me yesterday, they both used to be, uh, so, you know, they both used to work for themselves. Uh, and, uh, Apparently, one of them said in the middle of a listing appointment, uh, the mom said, "Listen, I'm sorry, I, I got to step away. I got to, you know, give the kid a bath." And I'm thinking, man, here we are talking about your most valuable asset, and uh, we've man- you know managed to set up a time for the kid to take a bath. Like, wouldn't you just sit down and wait for that? But that's what happens, Pat. You know, if you don't take control of these situations, uh, variables step in the way, and uh, you know, it's our job, I believe, as real estate professionals to take control of these situations and give people the best uh, advantage that we can give them to get the information that they need to make an informed choice. And, you know, I'm confident. I feel that I'm the best guy for the job. But, you know, they got to be able to make that decision in a clear, you know, unencumbered, informed way. And at the office, free of distractions is the yeah. best place for that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I would think that if someone said, hey, I got to, you know, give my kid a bath now, they're essentially saying... I'm not interested in what you're having to say anymore, and <laughs> I don't. Right. I don't want to work with you. Um, yeah. you know. I mean, or, or both of those things because, right. you know. I mean, really, it's like you said. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's nuts, man. Yeah, I hear you. What's your favorite uh, script you like to lo- use on listing appointments? Oh gosh, what's my favorite script? Um, well, one of the things that I that I talk to people about in the listing appointment, and that's because it's relevant to our local economy is, is I set the expectation, you know, it starts with a pre-listing package, of course, you know, they get that and that'll have neighborhood comparables. So, you know, if, if they think the house down the street sold for a million bucks, it's good for them to know ahead of time before I get there that it's sold for 500,000. You know, I don't need to break that to them. That's just come in the mail. And so that's, <laughs> so you know, so you get that to them ahead of time. Oh yeah, for sure. We drop, How? we have a, uh, by courier, so again, you know, it's kind of a handshake town, so, you know, we don't use email, but I have my, you know, my team introduction and uh, neighborhood comparables dropped off by courier typically uh, a couple days before the uh, the listing appointment or the, really? you know, that first walk. So they, so, but do you put a price on that or is it like a no. range or is it just the comps? Just comps. I, I don't, I don't attempt at that point to evaluate their property at all. And if they ask me in that first meeting to just give them a range or just give me an idea, I, I flat out refuse. I say, listen, this is probably one of your biggest investments. I want you to know that I take that very seriously. Uh, I'm not prepared just to shoot from the hip on this. It's important to me that I get you very accurate information based on stats and information. And I need time to research that based on what I've seen today. So I just ask that you respect that and trust that what I get you in our next meeting will be very well informed, well researched and something that I can make very clear to you that will be meaningful to you. And they always get that. I've never, I've never had pushback on that. Um, you know, sometimes people will ask two or three times and I, you know, I just refuse, like, it's not something that I'm willing to engage in, Pat. I don't have, you know, maybe some realtors are good that way and maybe that works for them, but I, I just, I'm not good on the fly. You know, I like to be prepared and especially when we're talking about pricing, cause it's so sensitive. Um, but uh, to answer your question, laying the framework in that first meeting for market conditions 
in my economy is extraordinarily important because there's still, you know, our media, you know, for the past, well, forever has come out of Calgary, has come out of Toronto, and we hear lots from Vancouver. Those just are kind of media hubs in Canada. And so if somebody in Lethbridge has, you know, been hearing that, um, you know, there's all this appreciation in these other real estate markets and they're stoked to hear from me about them having made, you know, 40 grand on a $300,000 <laughs> house over the last four years, then, you know, I want to prepare them like, hey, listen, uh, you know, in this meeting, I just want to talk to you about market conditions. Here's, you know, how we map out this. Here's what it's looked like over the past few years. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions about that? And And for me, that's a really important dialogue because I'm I'm setting them up for a realistic conversation in the next meeting. They're already having a little bit of doubt about that $40,000 in appreciation now. And they're starting to look more carefully at the comparables that they've got in the mail. And they're saying, oh gosh, you know what, maybe it's not what we thought. And But that'll give them a chance to go through and process that uh, ahead of that next meeting. And that means that we can get down to business a lot more quickly. And it makes me less the bad guy for giving them this news, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what's the biggest challenge you have uh, with team building, and uh, how do you handle that? Yeah, good question. Um, I have to say, man, that uh, it all starts with good hiring. You know, the people that I've that I've hired over the years, and I've been through a few of them, Pat, and you know, some very nice people, but not maybe the right fit. Um, some, you know, extremely kind and wonderful folks that just weren't right for this business. And so I have to say right now, I feel like I've just got this powerhouse of amazing people. And, and it all starts with, um, you know, with that first meeting and the, and hiring them in the first place, you know, and I I would say the fundamental characteristic that, that folks on my team first and foremost is that they care, you know, they're extraordinarily high level caring human beings, um, that are ambitious, but uh, just as ambitious as they are, they want to make sure that whoever they're working with or working for uh, gets the right thing. They get what they need and they're prepared to commit to do that. And, you know, that's the one differentiating factor between the team that I have now and the team that I had maybe two years ago was that, you know, for a couple of those people back then, you know, there were maybe just, it was just a job to them. You know, it was just a place to come to earn a paycheck on the admin side. Uh, they weren't potentially as serious about the business of real estate or as committed to to helping clients, you know, fulfill their dreams. And that's really what this is about for me and for my team now. And on the buying agent side, you know, I had a uh, a realtor that I had to let go a couple of years ago. And it was the same kind of thing. You know, he was just, you know, putting his needs ahead of clients' needs, taking vacation without notice and kind of leaving you know our buyers in the lurch and yeah i hate that yeah such a nice guy and people really loved him but you just you know from my perspective i work so hard to generate these leads for my guys they they, you just can't do that to a family you can't (laughs) leave a family in the lurch like that and uh especially when you've got a team that can back you up you know there's really no excuse there's a number of people here prepared and willing to take over you just can't do that and that just comes down to caring you didn't guy didn't care enough to put his clients ahead of himself and and that's not the case now and it's just been amazing and you know what pat if uh it wasn't for those guys we'd be nowhere near where we're at now i mean it's just because of this team that we have that uh, that we're doing so well so how do you find people that care i haven't approached or recruited or put a put an ad up for anyone you know what um i've i've kind of managed and listen i know that that's not like 
you know, business building 101. Don't think that I think that that's like the way that you do it. That's, I'm not trying to say that this is the roadmap for how to do this either. Um, but in my case, um, you know, I took, I took advantage of opportunities that were presented to me. You know, my first buyer specialist was a guy that, uh, got his real estate licensed, you know, thought we'd be a good fit. I needed help at the time. And I asked him and, you know, it turns out that, that, you know, he wasn't as caring as I thought, but, uh, over the years, a few other realtors kind of presented themselves to me. You know, I think that they just through doing business and through my reputation got the sense that maybe I'd be the kind of person that they'd like working with. And, and, uh, I did some research and, uh, you know, did some looking around and asking around and, and, and realized that, Hey, listen, you know what, you're also the kind of person that I would like to work with and that I would put my mother, my sister, you know, my best friend with and, and trust completely that, uh, that you would do what's best for them. And I think, you know, it starts fundamentally with the character of the human being that you're going to hire, whether it's on the admin side or the realtor side, but then also you've got to cultivate that, uh, at the office. And I, you know, I carefully choose my language when I'm there. You know, we all were in sales and we like to joke about, you know, slamming deals and we like to make it about the money. And, you know, those are kind of funny things that we do to, you know, as as salespeople, I think just to, you know, just to have a laugh or to um, to kind of get motivated. But fundamentally, Pat, and at least on my team, if you're going to make it long term and feel good about what you're doing, uh, you got to be in it for uh, for the service component, and you got to be in it to see the smiles and to and to do the right things for clients. and And I choose my language carefully. I, I talk consistently at my office about service. I talk consistently about how we're privileged to have the opportunity to work with these clients, uh, and I make it about them. And I choose that language consciously so that my team hears me do that. And so that they know that that's why we're here. That's no why they know that that's why they're employed. Uh, and they know that if we're going to continue to have this level of success and grow in the way that we have, that that type of culture has to be consistent and cultivated, uh, both behind the scenes and on the forefront. And I think, uh, that's been another, um, big piece, you know, cultivating that, um, that culture around the office. That's awesome. So, so do you do some investing? Like where do you invest your savings? Yeah, I, I own some revenue properties. So I've got, uh, I don't know, I guess four properties now in Canada. It's tough to get to the fifth door, but one of the big banks is <laughs> just, uh, they just put up a roadblock. I don't know. It's all, I oh, think it's all, they, they minimize, they don't want yeah. you to borrow on more than four houses. That's right. Too much exposure to real estate. There's yeah. one bank that's just opened up the door. Now they'll do nine. That was, that's news as of April 1st, actually. So, so this year, my, my goal was to get under the commercial side, you know, I lease space for my office, but now, uh, my goal is to, uh, you know, get heavily into the savings and, uh, and try to invest in a commercial building here over the next couple of years. Um, I've got some partners now that are considering doing some flips with me. Um, so that's probably going to be the direction that I'll head in either, you know, doing some flips to help pay for the commercial or, uh, just straight up saving for, uh, for some commercial investments over the years. Um, you know, four plexus, things like that. I've got a, another, uh, like a holding company with some colleagues of mine, like there's some doctors. And, uh, so we'll probably pick up a fourplex or two in the next couple of years. So, uh, still in real estate, um, you know, I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm not a real huge believer in stock markets. That's not that I don't understand it. I mean, I got an MBA in finance, but uh, it's just not as tangible. And it's what I do. You know, I get real estate. I can see the returns and I can I can map out, you know, on a spreadsheet why it makes sense to me. And so for me, that's as much as it takes to to justify that as an investment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so um, what book are you reading now? 
Oh man, what book am I reading right now? I got an audio book on my phone, uh, and it's uh, it's. I was just listening to that chapter and how to win friends, but that's not it. Let me go to my audio books and yeah, check. Yeah, I need to, I need to start saying that because uh, I talked to somebody this morning, and uh, the same thing. They're like, uh, everything we do, we just listen. Yeah, it's true. Well, you can hear a play, and I just opened up my audio books, and now. Uh, oh yeah, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. Oh yeah, and, classic. You know, yeah, it's a super classic, and I've had that book, man, for, I don't know, over a decade, and this is probably as far as I've made it through it, but, uh, <laughs> man, what a brilliant book, you know, uh, some super fundamental stuff there, in fact, uh, some that I applied to a transaction that I did last week, you know, just a brilliant guy, and so much, just good living in that, you know, it's not just about business, but about relationships, and, and, uh, yeah, how'd you, how, what'd you apply, what, uh, do you remember? Yeah, I do, man. Uh, he talks a bit about, um, you know, relationships as like a bank account. You know, he draws a comparison there in the way that with relationships, you know, you've got to be uh, consistently making deposits and adding value to that relationship because, you know, inevitably there's going to be times where, you know, you forget your wife's birthday, heaven forbid. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty massive withdrawal right. from from the relationship account and, and, uh, you know, just being mindful that there are many little things that you can do as you walk by the piggy bank of relationships that you have in a day to make a deposit, whether it's a compliment that you pay somebody that's sincere or whether it's a door that you open for someone or whether it's you just thanking your wife for having food in the house or praising your kid for, you know, for just being around and the joy that they bring to you. And, uh, you know, I, so yeah, just being conscious of those things. I mean, those have been kind of personal philosophies that um, you know I've had for a long time, um, but I, I've never really thought about about it in that in that capacity. And uh, I used it in a transaction last week where you know I was talking to a client and things weren't really going as planned. And I actually bought him the audio book, man. I said, Hey, listen, you know what? This reminds me of something that I was listening to that I really value. He, he and I were kind of at odds in a transaction. He's a client. And I said, listen, you know what? I'll agree, man. I, I don't want to argue with you. I'd rather get to solving this problem that, we're, that you're having. Um, I don't think that you're treating me fairly, but I'm not going to make an issue of it. But I think you might He, he wanted you to, to, compensate, uh, on your, basically take some of your commission to it, it solve a quite, problem. Wasn't quite like that, but the transaction had gone on a long time and it's not just a listing and, you know, he wasn't taking my suggestions for price reduction and, and, uh, then he wanted to go month to month with me and, you know, and then he wanted to be able to sell it in house oh, and not yeah. pay me anything. Right. And I thought, geez, man, you know, this isn't win-win at all, but whatever, you know what? Uh, I said, I'll, I'll sign off on that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to argue with you, but you know what? Here's a book. And I spent the 25 bucks and said, listen, man, this is going to be great. It might help you in business, might help you in your personal life. Have a listen. Let me know what you think. And uh, and just on with it. You know, I didn't want to argue with the guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Pat? i tell you a true story, man. I bought that audio book on Wednesday. I got an offer on that house Friday. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. And, and you know, half of that stuff that we worry about or argue about Never, more than half, right? 95% of it uh, never comes into play, right? But isn't that the, he's isn't not that the gonna, truth? He might have think he has a buyer, but that buyer ain't, can't even afford it. You know what I mean? I mean, that, or, or the buyer's just saying that he's thinking about buying. In the meantime, he's like contingent on two other sales. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's, and it's the truth of this business, you know? I mean, we're, people that are good at it, I think, you know, try to control the variables. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to be fresh. We need to be inspired. We need to be there for our families. We need to have that time off, the peace of mind. And you need to let that stuff go. And uh, and that's one of the skills that I'm practicing now is saying, you know what, don't let these things 
uh, define you. Don't obsess over them, man. Come home, be there for your family, be present, sleep well, exercise, take care of yourself. And these things fall into place. And a lot of times they just do. You don't need to stress. That doesn't help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what um, phone app or software are you excited about right now? I'm excited about BombBomb. Um, you know, I've been using that now since about October, September. Again, I think it's a it's a very good tool for uh, for the kinds of relationships that I have with my clients, where you know a lot of face to face and a lot of value that we just add as human beings, being there for each other, and uh, the feedback's been outstanding. So man. tell so, tell everybody what BombBomb is and and how it works. Yeah. So uh, BombBomb is basically a video email service, and what it does is allows you to use uh, you know video drip campaigns. It allows you to easily send a video email from your handheld device. Excuse me. It allows you to uh, you know easily uh, from your laptop using the the built-in camera send a quick video to your client saying, "Hey, you know, congrats, your conditions just came off. You know, give them a big thumbs up. Say, listen, I'll give you a shout later on, but just wanted to." you know, say awesome work or whatever. And, um, you know, I think what that allows people to do, Pat, is is build that, um, you know, that trust and to see in your face that you are just legitimately interested and that you care. You know, there's all these methods of communication, right? And, uh, you know, whether it's in the tone of your voice or in the, the way that um, you speak or in, you know, using your hands or what have you, body language, but um, being able to see someone's facial expressions and see legitimate happiness at your success uh, goes so far. And uh, I'm just a huge proponent of that tool because it lines up beautifully with the kind of things that we've done to build uh, strong relationships with our clients. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for um, mentioning that and, and bringing it to everyone's attention who hadn't heard of it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that and pretty much everything that uh, we talked about today on hybendigital.com backslash Courtney. Hybendigital.com backslash C-O-U-R T N E Y, right? <laughs> you got it, man. Jeez, mental block there. Uh, no, no, man. Okay. All right. So, so let's wrap this up, Courtney, with our flagship question. And that is this. Um, let's say that I took you and I put you on a show similar to the show Survivor. Have mm-hmm. you seen that show? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, let's say uh, this is an island, but is, there's commerce on there. There's money. There's uh, transactions. And, and I'm going to put you and nine other top agents on this island. You guys are going to go at it. Uh, whoever sells the least amount of houses every week gets thrown off the island. Mm-hmm. After 10 weeks, there's only one agent left, and that's whoever sold the most houses. Uh, all you get to start with is 500 bucks, a laptop computer, and a phone. Mm-hmm. How is Courtney going to sell more houses than the nine other agents? Yeah, I saw that question, Pat, and I did my best to prepare, and I'll, I'll do my best to answer it now. Uh, I think what my default is is to kind of just automatically start behaving like the team leader. And uh, sometimes that's not well-received, especially in a large group of people like that. But I think, you know, in the spirit of giving and the spirit of supporting others, I'm going to, uh, you know, do my best to help those other guys succeed. Uh you know, as part of, you know, my vision for, for being the last guy off the island. Um, what I know about this business is that you can, you know, you can give lots of good advice to people, but a lot of people won't take that advice. You know, they hear it and they say, that's awesome, man. 
But then the next morning at nine o'clock, they neglect to take action on those things. And so uh, I think that would cover me off on the political side of things uh, on the uh, on the game show. And then in terms of what I would do, I just start talking to my you know my A clients, man. I make those phone calls, people that I know uh, that have uh, built strong referral business with, and I just start asking them for business. I'd be straight with them, man. I I don't lie to people. I just say, listen, you know what? I'm on this game show. Um, I'm in it to win it, and uh, you know you've helped me a lot in the past. And uh, I wonder if you can help me now. I'm looking for deals, and I need them fast. You know anybody that's an investor looking at buying or selling? Uh, I need it to happen in the next month. What do you think? Can you help me out? Do you know anybody that could help me out? I'd go through my list there. I would start with that. And uh, I don't know if there's the ability to go knocking on doors, but I'd bang on the doors. I'd use the same script. Um, you know, it would be a while before I started, uh, you know, worrying too much about squeeze pages or generating kind of low return, things like that. I mean, I know I got a laptop, uh, not a big budget, but I tell you what, I don't even know if I need the budget. To me, there's not a lot that. Um, that I'm going to do that I think I need that money for. To me, it's just going to be making phone calls and, and do my best to, to, you know, to get the help that I need from people that uh, are out there. And I'll tell you what, man, that's how I started in this business. Open houses, knocking on doors, building relationships with people and talking to them on the phone and asking for help. Like, I think it's human nature to want to help those that are in need of help and uh, business is no different. You know, somebody comes to you and says, hey, listen, man, you know, I could really use this thing. Yeah, like, thanks for asking me. Thanks for putting me in a position of authority where you feel like I'm the kind of person that can help you. And because you've done that, now I feel inspired to do so, that, I, that you've looked to me like someone who is in a position of, of being able to help. That's an honor. And of course, yes, I can. If I can, I will. And uh, so I don't know if that's... Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. And, and I like how you use, you leverage the fact that you're on a game show to your advantage. I think that uh, that's why a lot of people don't cold call or knock on doors or, or do any of that because they think that they have to be like um, uh, calling people for no reason, right? Only like greedy reasons, like for themselves to earn commission, where I find that it's a lot easier for people to call and say, Hey, listen, uh, our, our office is having a contest, you know, and I'm in this contest and I was wondering if you could help me out. We're trying to see who can get the most referrals. Who do you know that needs to buy or sell a house in the next six months? You know, if, yeah. if, if you have leverage of something you could lean against, like, hey, or even if your office isn't in a contest or, or you could say I'm in a contest and you yeah. got to be in a contest with yourself every day of the year. That's right. You know, but yeah. it just makes it easier and people want to help other people win. That's right. You know, to me, that's one of the best things a guy can do or a gal can do, Pat. I mean, we all want the magic pill. I mean, hey, listen, you know, you're a guy that looks after his health, you're fit. and But you know what? You don't wake up every day and take a pill. You wake up and you do the hard stuff to make that happen. And our business is no different. You know, you can't wake up in the morning and take a pill and have a, a successful real estate business. You got to get up in the morning, do the work. And uh, celebrate those minor successes. You know what? If you plan on doing 200 workouts a year and, uh, you know, you're at the 200th day in the year and you haven't done one, well, you're the kind of guy that's going to go every day for the remaining 200 days of the year. And you got to look at real estate the same way. You know what? Uh, make it less about the deals, more about the daily activities that you can take that you know are going to have those results. And just stick to that plan. Do it every day. Celebrate your five phone calls, your five emails, your five letters, or your whatever it is that you're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, it's just, uh, 
not necessary to, to, to pay close attention to all those things out there that all these companies will provide you for five, six hundred, a thousand bucks a month when, when really it's incumbent upon us to have the relationship, to make those relationships strong and to ask those people and to get those referrals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great because it's all a byproduct, right? You know, the deals, the leads, all those are, are, are bad words. They're basically byproducts of the actions. And, yeah. and the daily actions, I like how you said that, is really all that counts. Everything else is a byproduct of the daily actions. So only right. focus on the daily actions, what you're doing, and make sure they're dollar productive and, and you're going to get paid. Yeah, it'll happen. No doubt about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, well, listen, Courtney, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I'm yeah. going to put all of Courtney's uh, information on hybendigital.com backslash Courtney with a C. And uh, please stay in touch with him and let yeah. us know what you think. And uh, Courtney, hopefully if I'm out that area in the near future or any time in the future, we get together and break some bread. That sounds great, man. Listen, really appreciate your time, Pat. And hey, listen, I wanted to tell you that uh, I saw your tattoo and uh, I wanted to tell you that that is a very fantastic tattoo. I've got a bunch of tattoos myself. I looked at yours and I said, man, that thing is fantastic. Well done. Good choice. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. I did that. Uh, those are my, you know, that uh, the T-I-M-E. We love, I, my yeah. tat, one of my tats says love is spelled time and that's in kids' crayons. Yeah. And then I used my own kids' um uh, birthstone colors to uh, uh you know each different uh, crayon is a different color so it's very cool you know, cool very cool well thanks bro okay man thanks right. for time appreciate your you, time Courtney. take good okay. care bye bye all right well i hope you have enjoyed this session of real estate rock stars i'm pat hyben and i appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock solid advice i encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with these insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how to's, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at padhyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.